Hello, I'm Matt Peterson. And I'm Rich Trapier. And this is episode 49 of History on the Table. Rich, welcome back. We're almost there. Yeah, this is going to be a big one. Yeah, we'll have to celebrate somehow. Somehow we'll what's have so, to do What's something. 50? Is that like the gold anniversary or something? Yes. Or is it I don't diamond? Know. Is it gold? I have no idea. Maybe 25, whatever. But 50's coming up, but we're not on 50 yet. It's 49. 50 will be big. It'll be the episode before Historic Fest, and I feel like yeah. we should do something big for 50. I agree. Yeah, we should. Almost 50 months of, of doing the podcast. Yeah. I, I, when did I join? About 20 or so? You joined... I can't remember if you joined after our first kid or before. I don't remember. <laughs> I think you joined after. Patrick, when did I join? Yeah. Look it up. Thank you. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> Clickety clackety. He's on it. Well, welcome back, folks. I know if you're if you're just a listener of the show, if you if you just catch us at, on your podcast feed or whatever, and you're not on the Discord, it like things are normal. Uh, it's been we're a little late. It's the first of July when we're recording, so we're a little behind schedule. I had to push back uh, for Rich. We were going to record earlier this week, but if if you're on the Discord or you play games with me online, you know, I, at least maybe you noticed, maybe you didn't. I have been absent. I've been on the mend, as I mentioned at the end of last episode. So it's been a very quiet month, and I know Rich has had a month as well. So I apologize in advance. This is going to be a shorter episode than normal. Yeah, I've been busy too. Matt's been busy. I've been busy. I've got a big competition next week, but then July is like, July is my month where I kind of take off of everything. So hopefully I'll be able to catch up on gaming. What a great month to do like a big, a big meaty game in July. Yeah. I've got Hungarian Rhapsody on my table right now. I was thinking about setting that up and playing through the campaign solo. Very good. Very good. So again, it'll be a short episode, but next month we got a, uh, got a full one. And then the month after that is Historic Fest, folks. We're one month and, and three weeks away. And I'm really looking forward to Historic that. Fest. Me too. Me too. So so I'm actually going to take the train this year. Awesome. Cool. Yeah, it's because my daughter is in Columbia. She's coming with me. So she's just going to drive to KC, pick me up at the train station on a Sunday drop me off at the train station. I wish she didn't have to come all the way back to St. Louis. And that round trip from St. Louis to Kansas City is like 75 bucks. So Nice. Yeah. And probably like, uh, you know, there's some stops between KC and St. Louis, but it should be, hopefully it's pleasant enough that yep. not dragged out. Should be a good time. Are you, Is anyone else, you know, Chris took the train. In I know the he first did a year. couple years ago. I don't know if he's coming this year. Yeah, so. you should hit him up and then you can, you can play games on the train as you drive Absolutely. to Kansas City. That's what you should yeah. do. Case Blue. <laughs> yeah well folks if you haven't heard well welcome to the show and second off august 17th through the 20th four days of gaming in the greater kansas city area we've got all kinds of stuff going on talked with mike denson today the designer of last hundred yards we're gonna mix up last hundred yards content a little bit so uh, instead of a tournament we've got a monster monster game in the works i i kind of like the approach he's gonna do a full demo learn to play session all day on Friday, a little more structured, and then get a big old scenario roll in for Historic Fest should be really cool. So multiplayer scenario, that kind of thing? Yeah, you should be able to, a certain extent, drop in, drop out as you take over different commands and stuff. But um, I also really like the idea of Friday. Instead of, you know, in the past, it's just been Mike is always available to teach you the game. You just got to say, hey, teach me the game. He has said Friday is a demo and learn to play and, and all that stuff. So a really great chance to... Pick Mike Denson's brain, learn how to play the last 100 yards. Having a conversation with Mike Denson in game design is is a highlight, and I highly recommend it. And, of course, you'll be able to grab dinner with Mike as part of our dinners with designer. Him and Mitchell Land both have space in their uh, dinners. Nice. Very good. Uh, but, yeah, join the Facebook group. Uh, hop on Discord. Uh, like, I've, like I've been saying, where I, I just started ramping up the, hey, here's what we have going on. You can learn a, a game with one-third of Hamtag. Greg Schmitkins is a great war game teacher. We have Next War Con, ASL. There's coin games. Learn to play coin games. Our buddy Mike Heckman does. Uh, oh, what's the what's the game he he modified and plays the, uh, every like year? Like the, the, the English game every – that one? I can't remember what he calls it, but I know it's like a medieval English game. I, no, I don't think it's that. I don't. Or are you thinking may, of a different one? He does do that as well. It's some kind of like – roman game i thought anyways whatever oh, okay. it's all on there all kinds of great stuff go check it out we'll see you in august in the meantime 
We've got a little bit of housekeeping stuff to knock out what Rich has been up to this month, and then we're just we're just going to dive straight into our featured game this month, which it's it's a repeat of Volkerunki. We're going to Wilderness War tonight. But first, Rich, why don't you tell everyone what you've been up to this month? Uh, mostly singing. <laughs> lots of concerts, lots of rehearsal. We've got our big competition a, a week from today, actually. So I haven't had a whole lot of time for gaming, um, but I have been playing a little bit, so... Um, I did get a new game added to my shelf, yes. which is nice. It's still in the shrink wrap, but uh, on to Richmond 2, which is highly anticipated. And um, I don't know if anyone saw, but the, apparently they made a, they made a, they didn't cut the maps properly, which right. happened to you in a game. I remember talking about that last year. I can't remember which one it was. I think it was like a year and a half ago. I know the game. It was uh, Roads to the Kremlin from okay. um, Operational Studies Group. And I got, uh, there was a guy yeah. in BGG who got really <laughs> upset about it. And he's like, well, just cut your own maps. It's like, or I don't know, right. sell a complete product and like fix it. Yeah, so MMP did not take that approach. They instantly said, don't worry, we're mailing you new maps. And and those are already on the way. They're going to get here sometime in the next couple of days for me. So it's a huge game. I am absolutely looking forward to playing it. But this month, I haven't even taken out of the shrink yet. So that, I just want to clarify. That, that might be some, something I play next month. Kevin Zucker, the designer behind oh, okay, OSG okay. Games, was not the one to tell me. Uh, oh, he did say just to cut it, but he took a much more civilized approach. Yeah. But also really didn't do anything to make the situation right. Basically, the maps are supposed to overlay with each other. They can't unless you cut them. Anyways, neither here nor there. MMP obviously took the better approach and is yeah. sending out new maps. But yeah, yeah. amazing. Which, Richmond the only thing here. that sucks for is like the people that did pre-order the game but maybe they were later in the cycle or whatever they're yeah. gonna have to wait a couple extra weeks because they were waiting for their maps to reprinted so and i'm sitting here i guess i was early enough that i got it pretty quickly my game's still sitting here in the shrink but oh well, it is what it is but hopefully ne- hopefully next month because i'm really looking forward to playing that one yeah yeah that's um there's gonna be a lot of great stuff in on richmond too i'm really looking forward to the grant the grant um takes command stuff yeah. In there, as I've mentioned before, uh, you've been doing some reading. Yeah, I read a book called Crucible of War, which yeah. is about the French Indian War. I wonder why I read that one. Yeah, nice. Um, and have you read that one? No, I went Wilderness War. I took okay. a different approach, so that's good. So it's it's pretty meaty. Um, yeah. Probably more than I wanted, actually, um, which is interesting because, you know, it takes place, obviously, here in north america was it the united states at the time so the the place names are are somewhat familiar um you know like when they talk about like the ohio river valley and stuff like that obviously i know what they're talking about but the names of all the forts and everything i had no idea where a lot of them were so a lot of it was a little a little hard to follow just because you're talking about a bunch of old French guys and a bunch of old english guys (laughs) and forts that aren't even there anymore it was very meaty um it was it was good. It was just, it was probably a little bit heavier of a book than I was interested in for that war. So it was good. Um, just wasn't necessarily what I wanted. One of the books cited by Volko in his, um, the work cited for the design of wilderness war, as was, mm-hmm. uh, wilderness empire, which of course we'll, we'll talk about, but, uh, Richie been singing. I see you've been playing a little bit game. We've talked about some, yeah, and I can't remember if I talked about this last month, but Andy and Abyss is out now sure. on RTT, so Rally the Troops, uh, the website. So um, we finished up our first game and immediately launched into another one, and I was so close to winning. I'm playing the cartels this time, and mm-hmm. I had like – the cartels need to have like more than 10 bases and more than, I think, 40 resources. And I was at like 60 resources and 12 bases – I was like, oh, I got this. And then they airstriked my bases and killed like six of them in one turn. <laughs> so I'm probably not going to win at this point, but um, I'm enjoying it quite a bit. I mean, it's it's fun to have a coin game that enforces the rules and everything, and you can play it online. But I'm, I'm sure I said this last month. I'll say it as many times as you ask me. Coin games are just so much better playing live in person than they are playing online so it's good that way but it you lose a lot of what is fun about a coin game yep agreed um it's it is great to have it on rally the troops what a great tool for it i can't wait to see what they add uh Mm -hmm. to rally the troops i know we had a little conversation about all the potential for that platform but yeah it should be cool yeah all right that's that's about it for me then that's that's all we have there's there's no war game game again most of i'll be honest a lot of my recovery time has just been you know movies reading 
nonfiction stuff, relaxing, a little bit of work here and there, um, and not war game stuff. And so we're just going to dive straight into it. And we picked this game because of the Rally of the Troops implementation, especially as our fe- for our featured game, and that is mm-hmm. Wilderness War, a 2001 design from GMT Games, and as mentioned, Volko Runke covering the uh, the French. Oh my gosh, the French Indian War. Yeah, and that's what we call it. It's called yeah. the Seven Years War if you include what happened in, in Europe as well. But yeah, French Indian War. Yeah, before we dive into the historical setting, I, I know I've talked about in this past, but just as a reminder, this was one of the very first historical games I played past Memoir 44. Um, and my first go at this was not great. And so when it got on Rally the Troops, I was very interested at because this is, this is such a highly regarded game. It's in you know top fifty war games on B- BGG. People recommend it as a great car driven game, which is that's what this is. And so I wanted to circle back to this. And I'm just ever since it's been on Rally the Troops, I've more or less had a game consistently going of this asynchronous, uh, and it's been fantastic. And so yeah, this is this is French Indian War, and this is basically the Ohio River Valley, like Rich mentioned, and a. I'm sorry, you're gonna hear my dog barking in the background in my wife's house, so I won't be able to do anything about that. Um, <laughs> you know what? We might actually have to pause while I figure out what's going on. One second. I guess this is the part where I sing to entertain us. Me, 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 la, 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 la. I would sing an actual song for you, but since I sing tenor, everything I sing is like a third above the melody, and it would just sound weird if I sang by myself. Yeah, sorry about that interruption, but French French Indian War, you have the High River Valley, and you're basically vying for control of that, of that area, and you have both sides kind of springing up all these forts, uh, as well as all the contributaries to the Ohio River, and basically Virginia kind of gets in a pissing match with with France and then that obviously brings in England and then England supports Virginia and then yeah yeah, everyone everyone goes to war and historically the French did very well at the beginning of the war and the British kind of came from behind to eventually overwhelmingly win the war and the game uh, represents that by having the French start off with I think like three or four victory points I can't remember um, what the exact number is, but the French start off winning the game and the British have to sort of claw their way back into it. And ultimately, you know, the game will end when the British <laughs> has always ended in my experience with the British exceeding a, uh, a certain victory uh, threshold of uh, of 10, 10 victory points. So um that said, I've, I've never seen the French win this game, so it's always been the British. Have you not played the tournament scenario? No, I've always uh, just played the, I guess, I, I don't know if it's the campaign scenario. I haven't played the tournament scenario. I've played a bunch of times as the French, and I played okay. once as the British. Okay, so, yeah, so the historically this took, took place between 55 and, and 59, and the That's tournament 17, scenario. 1755. So, yeah, yeah, right. The tournament scenario is the back two years of that. So France has kind of already built up, and then England comes and kind of does their build up, and it's it's the transition from that. I think what is fascinating about this game, and Volko talks about this, but I swear I thought about this before I read Volko's thoughts, <laughs> uh, which was which was a, a boost of confidence because I was like, hey, look at look at this. Volko and I are on the same wavelengths. So obviously he he achieves his design goals here is just all the different axes you're on when you're playing this game because there's three theaters you're dealing with as both sides mm-hmm. and then there's two methods of warfare to line up with the time period that you have to consider as well. So you have your conventional regular armies they move very slowly. You have to build them up. You have to use leaders. And then you have frontier raiding. And both of them can score you. So big picture of the game is you're trying to um, either raid or capture key forts and, and cities or, or, or uh, cultivated spots to accumulate victory points. Whoever has the most victory points at the end of the scenario will win and you can accomplish automatic victory in a, in a couple different ways exceeding the threshold at a time check or capturing um 
key positions before the end of the game. Yeah. And, and I think raiding is probably more important for the French than it is for oh, the English. Without um, a doubt. They have more Indians and it's also a way for the French to get victory points because from a traditional army strand po- standpoint, the, the French are not nearly as powerful as the English are in this game. So you're, you're dealing with that. You're dealing with regulars, the, like the British regulars. Obviously, they're going to, well, not maybe not obviously, but the British will eventually build up to have these very large forces. And so you're, you're dealing with moving them around, and then you're also dealing with these raids. But then you also have three theaters. You have Lewisburg and the naval side of things. You have the interior, and then you have the far western side. And each one's going to play out a little bit different. They're all going to feature different terrain resources, have different you know focuses you know key points and i think it's i think it's really interesting because a lot of my games will have you know showdowns in this in the same locations maybe even the same openings doing some raids over in the west or or something like that but it all plays out a little bit different because not every game is going to feature a landing in lewisburg maybe it features a bluff or or something like that to keep some of those french regulars tied down there yeah and Um, in order to go into lewisburg you have to do an amphibious invasion which requires a certain setup and everything and it's harder to do obviously um i have seen several games where that just never happened Um, but sometimes the french withdraw their forces from lewisburg to try to deal with threats in other places in which case it sort of opens up to the amphibious invasion Right, right, because the French aren't going to build up in the same way. If you start pulling, re- you may get some more regulars uh, through a couple cards over the the course of the game, yeah. but you have a lot hold up in Lewisburg, and if you pull them out too early, then you leave it wide open for the British. Uh, yeah. Now they still have to besiege it, and all which that is stuff, also a, not only Lewisburg, which is I think worth a couple victory points, but it's a it's a quick run to Quebec as well, which is more right. victory points. And so then there's also some key points in the interior as well that you can try to take as the British. But the interesting thing with the British and a lesson I learned a very hard way is you can go a very slow prodding pace. You can build up your fortifications um, to support your army as you march through, or you can skip a couple spots and say, oh, I've got the French right where I want them. Let's go. But if you lose and you don't retreat to a cultivated, you know, a built up space, if you retreat into the wilderness, you're losing everyone. And if you lose regulars in combat, that gives uh, victory points to your opponent. So um, you can get risky and you can kind of push the boundaries of this game, but you might pay the price, which I really like and also learn the lesson very hard. Yeah. Another thing uh, I noticed about this game, and it, it kind of reminded me of Semenich's Zakban games in this respect, in that um, interception is is super easy in this game. Um, you don't even have to roll for it or anything. Uh, so you can kind of spread your guys out if you're playing the British. And if the French try to get Raiders in to snag up those victory points, they're pretty easy to intercept and stomp down. And then even if they do get through, if you have your militia build up, the militia guys basically just teleport to anywhere you want them to defend against the raids. Yeah. So like militia, you have to, you want them present in there and you want, you want a couple of them there to, to do that. And then you want to build up stockades as well. Like all of those things are considerations as well. Building up militia, building up stockades to prevent those raids, just making them that much more difficult because having those modifiers, which is, which is a great way to to talk about this, this game, you know, these are the big picture, but then mechanically before we get into like the car driven aspects, you're going to be conducting raids and you're going to roll on a table and you're going to look at the type of terrain you're in. You're going to see if you have a leader raiding that's contributing, if there's militia present and you roll die and there's a couple modifiers and then you're just looking for successes and losses. And if you, if you succeed at a raid, you're going to pick up half victory points. Um, and then battle's not all that different. Obviously there's a, there's a few more considerations. What time of, what type of troops you have fighting against each other. Yeah. You've got Um, leaders that have like a tactical number that they, can use and um but for the most part i mean it's if you've played any war games any hex encounter war games you're gonna you're gonna add up your troop strength do a couple modifiers and roll a single die and so the meat and bones behind this is this is a card driven game you're gonna have a hand of seven cards to start each turn and you're going to either play that card for the event some of them are like reaction cards there's ambush cards uh, th- things like that or you can use them for 
um, their points to carry out certain activations. You can activate individual units. You can activate leaders with a stack of units under them. And of course, all those things cost different amounts. If you're activating Indians, they're half an activation. Leaders, their activation costs is their activation. And then you have all these events. And you're carrying out different you can fortify, build forts in different locations, build fortifications, you can move your troops, um, you can restore troops under the right circumstances, and you can march around and conduct raids and just just move around. So it's a derivative of the CDGs that, that predated by a few years, like Paths of Glory and, and We the People. But I think it's an easier game than um, Paths of Glory. I haven't played the Yeah, I would say, the Civil yeah. War one. And as a card-driven game, I mean, there's probably a spectrum of games, of card-driven games where the the events in some games are more powerful than they are in other games. In this one, there's a couple events that are, you know, pretty tasty where you, you see that and you're like, okay, I definitely want to grab this for the event. Um, but for the most part, I found myself mostly using the ops points instead some of that depends on what leaders you have available because the better leaders can activate easier than the, the worst leaders um but the events are not overpowered in this game there are some especially like in some of the coin games um some of the event cards you're like oh you would never ever ever do anything except for take the event on this card if it becomes available to you it's not so much like this one it's more i i find the the operations points are more more used if not necessarily more useful yeah i think it also just depends on what state of the war you're in and like and that obviously makes sense like what condition your troops are in and stuff like as the french you're going to be burning through at least i felt like going through those ops points a lot because you want to get the you want to build up those victory points and hang on yeah uh, before the british come yeah and And so you're going to be using those ops yeah um, there were times, many times in this game, and maybe I'm just terrible at it, where especially as the French, um, you can have three or four cards left in your hand and you already know that there's nothing you can do for the rest of the round. You, know, you just look at your huh. cards that you have and the leaders that you have and you're like, yeah, I can't activate this guy. I can activate individual units, but really it's not that useful to me at this point. So that can happen. Um, that's part of having a hand of cards. But I've, I've seen that happen enough that I took notice of it. Interesting. I don't know if I had the same reaction at, at any point. Yeah. Um, which is fine. I mean, everyone has different experiences with games. I never really remember. Like, I'm sure it happened from time to time, but I never really remember thinking like, now, I had a dead hand of cards when I was the British, and I lost my whole main force because I did the attack without having the supply route to fall, okay. fall back interesting. on interesting but that's because i had no one left on the map until i could get some reinforcement yeah. cards so that was my own doing yeah you are dependent on reinforcement cards i mean probably more for the british but for the french too because the french have a lot of indian cards that they they want to get played and if you know depending how the how the deck gets dealt out if if either side gets their reinforcement cards early it can provide a pretty good swing what else? Uh, I, I do like a lot of your combats will probably result in some kind of siege. Uh, I mean, you might catch each other with your pants down out, out in the wilderness, but especially in the interior and obviously Lewisburg, you're going to hit spots with fortifications. And so that's going to result probably in some kind of siege. Not saying everyone. Yeah. And sieges will just sit there until you activate that stack again. Um, there are cards that help you with sieges. Um, and actually there are cards that help you with sieges both ways, whether you're under siege or besieging, but they're pretty rare. Like you kind of got to get lucky to, to have those in your hands at the right time. Yeah. And there's requirements on who can siege and and all that stuff. You have to be in supply basically. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's, uh, I mean, mechanically we, we kind of blew through it, but it is that straightforward. And I think what, what was interesting even when I went back to the game on Realm of the Troops, when I first played this game, it felt very obtuse. I didn't know what to do, mm-hmm. especially as the first time I played it against my brother, I was playing the British, and we started with the full thing. So we started like with the early war, which really you know has the French doing the openings, from what I remember. Um, and I just look at the map and, you know, my expectation was to like sit down and, and play a war game, which <laughs> like if your experience is memoir 44 and you're, you're coming into this, like I want to go shoot things. And this, this is very <laughs> different. This is very, 
Yeah. So it's, it's funny. It's, I don't want to say it's methodical because that has like a, a negative connotation almost to it. But it's it's not like you sit down and you're like, oh, here's my stack of units. Let's run out and let's go attack things. It's you got to put a little more thought into it. And I I don't know. So I, I think even when I went back to it, I felt the same way. And then the more I played, the more I felt like I was understanding and where I should be raiding, where I should be putting pressure on, where I should be sitting back. Like those things became a little bit more evident the more and more I played this game. I'm not saying I'm great at this game or, or anything like that. Um, I was eliminated in the tournament, I think in round one, uh, that's still going on with Paul and Rex. We, <laughs> we won't talk about that. We won't mention it. So um, I will say, and I yeah. think we talked about this last year, the first time I played this game, I did exactly what you did. I just sort of jumped into it without reading the rules. And I was terrible and I was miserable at it. And then when it became our game of the month this month, I was like, okay, well, I guess I should read the rule book. And and I I played it uh, four times this month after I read the rules and everything. And still, the game just isn't clicking for me. There's just a lot about the game that um, I I do want to talk. One other thing I want to talk about mechanics is movement um, Mm -hmm. because of the different terrains. So yep. there's, there's mountains, there's rivers, there's cultivated areas, there's another one as well. I don't wilderness. Think, wilderness is what they call it, yeah. So if you get on a river, you can pretty much just go as far as you want. I think you get like eight movement eight. or something, which will take you well over half the map. Um, mountains will pretty much stop your progress. There are, um, And then as you read the rules, you're like, okay, well, if I stack uh, a what do they call it? I'm, uh, the terminology, like the, the round guys with the square guys, then then you get extra movement. But at, I find that the movement is always sort of frustrating to me. Um, like if you do an individual leader, you can pretty much move him wherever you want. But the guys that you're trying to get into position are often going to be hampered by terrain, which, you know, that's that's a game design choice. I mean, obviously you're dealing with with mountainous areas and and that's the way it goes. But um, there there were several times in the game where you have a limited hand of cards and these guys need to get from here to here. And you're like, what's going to take me three cards to get them in position? And they're they're not yeah. doing anything where they are right now. Or it's going to take me two cards or an extra card just to get them back to where they're not going to die this winter. Yes, and I think that's some of the, like that's I don't disagree with you and I I I think you're right, but I think that's some of the like brilliance of it because if I sit down and I I'm looking to play a war game like I'm going to charge out and go do battle, but the, that's what I mean there's more to this. Like oh, I agree. okay, I'm going to go do battle, but I can't get caught out in the winter in Little Seneca River, you know, up in near Ontario well, and, I, and stuff like that. I like, 100% agree. And here's my yeah. thing. I yeah. love that about Nevsky. I sure. don't know why I don't like that about this game. I, I, I'm not sure because I see some of the same mechanics that the planning and having to think several cards ahead in Nevsky. I love that in this game. Huh. It frustrates the hell out of me. I think part of what it is is so I'm very stubborn. The first game I ever played in this game was as the French. And then I just kept hammering it as the French. Like I'm going to figure out how to play the French in this game. And the French are hard to play in this game. So I think I was getting more and more frustrated. And then when I finally played the English, I played against my daughter who hadn't played the game. I was sort of teaching her and we were playing together and I just steamrolled her. And so like every game that I have played in this game have been the English steamrolling the French with me mostly as the French, but once as the English. And it was just frustrating. Hmm. I don't know if it's I think I gained a lot from the the playbook and there's a couple thoughts I want to go back to with. Yeah. I I don't know if I loved playing the French when I when I got back into this, but I certainly appreciate them now just because I think they have to be aggressive. Um really. They, they can't just sit, I think so, especially with the I think they the have rating. to be you, defensive. Which is why I think it's frustrating as the French, because I think it's the only way to win is not to play. I think the French, you want to try to do some Raiders, but the Raiders often get intercepted. Um, I think it's the French, you know, you do start off with the victory threshold and then the English just tip it away from you. But I think it's the French, I'd be curious to know, you know, the people that are actually playing this in a tournament scenario, how they're playing the French, because I haven't figured it out. 
I I don't know. I <laughs> no, I think early on the French do have to be aggressive and they have to look for areas to cut off British supply. You can't sit in Ticonderoga for all game with like a death stack and you know, keep That's true because five regulars yeah. there. And and so real quick, you did mention the square pieces and round pieces. So square pieces are always going to be regulars, and round pieces are going to be auxiliaries, which are going to be, um, you know, Continentals, Rangers, and North American uh, Indians. Um, and then you do have some square militia forces as well. But you know, you talk about like the two card setup. I, I particularly enjoy it, and, I, and this is something like I gained from the playbook that I wouldn't have really done before. But let's say you're going to do a raid in the West as the French. Like I'm going to move. I'm going to use a two point card to pick up a leader for one point and two separate Indian for uh, for a half point each. So two of my ops points, and then I'm going to park them all on the same mountain. So the next card I can turn around, activate the leader, pick up the pick up the Indians with them, and go raid wherever I want. And that's going to be before, you know, if that's your opening, that's before the British has a leader and regulars running around intercept or anything like that. Maybe they have some militia, but I mean, militias are just going to give you a minus one modifier. And so like when you start picking up on things like that, like setting up the set pieces, like you have to set up the set pieces for your big regular army for sieges, but you can also do these little set pieces with raids as well, where you're effectively meeting somewhere to then launch the raid and yeah it takes two turns but it's not like the british are just going to run around all over the place and just be able to respond anywhere that's still i don't know i early, i don't early think in I... the game you're talking about though right oh because yeah you're i mean i think they're the still... british have leaders yeah so what i like i a similar pattern i'm not going to say this happens in every game is like you're raiding in the west in virginia western pennsylvania that type of thing and then the brits kind of respond okay and then the brits start pushing through um like west of ticonderoga and, and through the middle up towards oswego and stuff which is a spot they want to want to capture well then you start counter raiding there i think and you kind of plunge down in the into the middle like down towards central pennsylvania and then maybe you're starting to do things on the the east side and yeah you're right it does take a lot of movement points but they're not going to be able to put stockades everywhere they're going to get a lot down but you know you can there's nothing stopping you from raiding down into massachusetts um and so you got to well, keep that pressure up there's brits down there if, if the english are playing right and then they're just going to intercept your guys in my experience yeah but uh, so the, i mean then you just gotta like and if there's the, militia, i don't think the brits you don't can even have to intercept that because the militia just show up yeah but that's only a minus one modifier i mean like you got to take those chances I, and again i'm not great at this game but yeah. i think like um, I did not like playing the French when I first started either, mm -hmm. um, but I've changed on it. Like I, I do like playing them. I think it's an interesting uh, puzzle. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you in any way. I just, I think we've had slightly different experiences on the game, which is oh, good, I'm sure we have. And I, I think it'll happen. be an interesting discussion in a few minutes because I just, I, I'm at the point where this game where I feel like I've given it a fair shot, and mm. I just don't like it. I, well, I, I think that's. Look what I look what I said. I still think when I came back to it that it felt a little obtuse. Yeah. I, it wasn't abundantly clear what you need to do with either side. Yeah. You know, I mean, especially with like Lewisburg and Halifax and stuff. Well, I mean, that's that's a whole nother puzzle to to tackle as well, which is that's yeah. where the amphibious stuff is going to happen. All right. Any other any other thoughts about like the gameplay? I think that's. Yeah, I mean, there's. I was thinking about this. I know we're not quite at the ranking yet, but thinking of other games that I've played. So you have played Bayonets and Tomahawks, but that's not on our list yet, is it? No, it's not. I really want to play that one. And I think from what you've said anyway, it has a little bit of that same mechanic where regulars versus irregulars, right? Like the triangles uh, more can only so. do so like much. That, yeah. yeah, they can win a battle, but they can't inflict okay. casualties. It's a, it's an interesting yeah. mechanic. I know we talked about A Few Acres of Snow, uh, which is another card-driven. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, which we didn't rank very well, but well, we'll get to that later. <laughs> I was just thinking of other French-Indian war games. This is really, that those two are really the only two I've played because I haven't played 1754, which is sort of same era. That's a little and Montcalm Mont and Montcalm and Wolf. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
I do like bayonets and tomahawks, and since it's not on the list, I think I like this more, which was interesting. Really? I, I, you know, that's what started the whole tournament conversation. Mm-hmm. Was I think I posed the question on Discord, and Mitch and Rex clapped back with that they like wilderness war more. Um, but with both of them having fresh plays, I I like both of them a lot. Um, this just feels like a more interesting puzzle and the like your gains in in bayonets and tomahawks are basically reset every winter um i mean you can hold stuff but it takes a lot of work and a lot of planning and it's a very long grind okay and it feels like even a better way to win the game is just have an automatic victory than do the slow grind of of picking up these pieces and then kind of re and i don't know in this one when winter comes you have attrition which maybe you have prepared for and maybe you haven't. But <laughs> right. other than that, there's not any major change at wintertime. Yeah, right. It's not like you have to go all the way back to Montreal yeah. or, or something like that. It's You you better be yeah. in a cultivated space. The Indians, be in I think, go home and the leaders get to retreat to wherever they want to go. Yeah. But um, that's not a big deal. Yeah, I don't, I'm, you know, I just real quick, like flipping through the rule book, there's not much that's like, we haven't talked about just like broad strokes mechanically. Obviously there's, there's more to this game, you know, sieges we didn't really touch on, but you're trying to reach a certain level in the sieges and then you can finally assault the fort. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about how easy ra- raids are um, supplies. You, you basically have to track back through fortifications or cultivated spaces. It's, it's pretty easy to track back. And then, yeah, you're just trying to accumulate those victory points by eliminating regulars, conducting raids or taking, uh, key spots that are worth a certain amount of victory points or forts uh, which is interesting if you build a fort out in the middle of nowhere and then you don't support it that fort becomes victory points so you can't just like build a fort willy-nilly right. yeah. if you lose it you're giving up points so one thing that i did re- i was reminded of as i was playing this so i was obviously if you i've been very frustrated playing the french and and i got to the point where i was like i i, I don't think the french can win this game and i've played five times total uh, and it's it's never even been close. The French have overwhelmingly lost every game that I've played, with me only playing the English one side, but that's my experience. And it reminded me, so when I was playing U.S. Civil War a few years ago, this is probably even pre-COVID for the first times, and I, I felt that way about the North, with the, the moving victory points and everything. I'm like, I don't think the North can win this game. So mm-hmm. I played against a guy that knew what he was doing, and I was like, I'm going to play the South and he played the North and he completely steamrolled me. Mm -hmm. So this is a game that there people play it in a tournament scenario. I haven't played that particular scenario. If I, if I play again, that'll be the one. Um, But obviously knowing what you're doing certainly helps. And I don't think I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Well, I, again, going back to, it's not abundantly clear to know what you should do in this game. Which is maybe my biggest knock against it, because mechanically for a card-driven game, I really like it. It's really sound, um, but it is, I think it's rules light, but um, execution muddy. Yeah. But that's great, because I, I think it's something interesting to unwind. Yeah. Rules light. Oh, I shouldn't say rules ish. light. Yeah, rules, I mean, yeah, 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 that was the, too the movement yeah. rules with the terrain... I'm constantly back in the rule book. And like, if I wasn't playing on rally, the troops, it would be three times as hard at least. Cause every hmm. time I pass through a piece of terrain, I'd be like, do I have to stop here? Can I move one extra space? How does this work? That was something I found myself looking up a lot, even though rally, the troops was enforcing rules for me. Yeah, it is a little, that is a little bit different. Um, like you said, leaders can just kind of fly around, and yeah. it kind of it kind of depends on your stat composition on on where you can go on land and mm-hmm. stuff. But um, yeah, rely- well, I mean that makes sense as well. I mean boat, I mean boats and river access and fortresses are are major themes of the era. So right. it, I guess that checks out to a certain extent. Yeah. Uh, real quick, let's talk a recommended reading because I chose. You did Crucible, Crucible of War, War. Uh-huh. which I've had recommended as a great one to do. I did Wilderness Empire by Alan Eckert. I, I talked about it a couple episodes ago. And I did this in paper. It's a thick one. It's a big one. And what's interesting is Volko refers to it as the Shelby foot of Wilderness of um, French Indian War, which is interesting. It's not three volumes, but it is dense. 
I did not know he does give warning that um, it should be used with caution. I found it very readable. I enjoyed it. That's all I can say about to it. Obviously, someone like Volko's poured all this time in developing Wilderness War and, and has a, a, a strong interest in, in Virginia's involvement in it. Um, knows way more about it. So that would be my recommended reading. Volko obviously referenced it, but he says, you know, use it with caution or at least approach it with caution, which is what I would say with any Shelby Foot work as well. So I guess that checks <laughs> out. Yeah, Crucible of War, uh, similar. I mean, it was it was heavier than what I wanted. It's definitely not a three volume set. I wouldn't. It's not that heavy. Uh, the thing I did like about Crucible of War is it went into English politics, which influenced mm. a lot of the decisions were made. It was very much told from an English point of view, not a French point of view. So, um, it was good though. Which obviously, Crucible of War, sort of the whole. Like if you want to talk about the theme of the book in general, is that winning the Seven Years' War is what started the American Revolutionary mm-hmm. War. So mm-hmm. that's kind of the theme of the book, and it's it's good. Nice. Yeah, I mean, Volker recommends it. I think he. what's interesting is he provides a little feedback on these books, which I actually really like because not everyone does this. Uh, he said that it's just maybe a little too too critical of the commanders. Yeah. Um, I didn't read it, but... Um, yeah, it could be. That one I also think. comes well-recommended. I would probably lean towards, if I did it over, I'd probably read Crucible of War. Just knowing those couple things, but if you go with Wilderness Empire, I, I thought it was just fine. Very good. Yeah. Long, detailed. <laughs> like, tons of detail about the like the construction of forts early on and the French interaction with Native Americans and, like, adding too many forts and all the names. And it was, it was a lot of yeah. detail. Uh, anyways. And, and it is fascinating historically. I mean, the, the construction of those forts that were really unsupportable right i mean and they yep. built all these forts that they had no way of supporting at all and you know you know you, you build a fort and you feel safe out there well you know here comes uh, a french army and that french army might be like 200 guys which isn't that big but you've got 25 guys in your fort <laughs> and they're like oh we're just gonna burn you down <laughs> yeah. we will win this yeah yeah, nice. I think so. Big picture before we rank it on the game, I really like this. Um, one of the best card-driven games I've played, and this three different areas of conflict with two different ways of handling it: traditional army versus raiding. Again, it's a little obtuse when you when you first. I keep using that word. I gotta find a different word other than obtuse tonight. Um, it's a little muddy when you first look at it, but I think once you do start to see the pieces in motion, I really enjoyed that. Um, so I like this blended type of warfare with a, a pretty straightforward and, and quick plane design, um, especially with Rally of the Troops. I mean, you can really blow through this thing in Rally of the Troops, and it'll let you make the mistakes. <laughs> there's like there's no takebacks and there's no warnings like, are you sure you want to attack without supply? Uh, so just be mindful of that. There's no one coaching you like, I want to do that um, because it's going to happen. So overall, big fan. Uh, overall, I'm not a fan. So I, I didn't like the game very much. Um, I, I'm i not completely giving up on it. Um, I think I will no longer be interested in playing a sort of play-by-email game on Rally the Troops of it. I think if I had the the additional interest of playing live against someone that might be enough to cause me to play the game again. But like, if you came to me right now and said, Hey, let's play and rally the troops. And we're just going to do the sort of play by email kind of thing. Nah, I'd rather play something else. Okay. Well, that's fair. Different strokes, different folks. Yep. That's, this is the most we've disagreed. Yeah, on absolutely. I think it is, which would be interesting. Okay. So I have a, I have a, so folks, we have, I guess before I, I dive right into it, folks, we have a list. We have a list of every war game ever made, ranked from best to worst. Right now, it's 1 through 69. We're about to mess up that magical number by adding game <laughs> we number 70. We can say nice 70. one more time. Yeah, nice. <laughs> uh, we're going to add game number 70 tonight. It's going to rank somewhere between the U.S. Civil War and Zeppelin Raider. I'll let you figure out which one's the best, which one's the worst on your own time. Uh, and so, yeah, Rich, how does this work? Uh, we put on blindfolds and we turn on the clay wheel and we just stick our hands out. That's right. Yeah. Whatever comes out, comes out. And we're just, we're just discovering where it is already on the list. 
yeah, this is 100% completely objective, subjectively. Um, <laughs> we just close our eyes. We're merely the sculptors of the list, folks. Yes. That's all we're here to do. So this is it, the every war game ever list. All right, so measuring stick, I think I think we start with Labyrinth as comparing this to. Now, I, I would be above Labyrinth, where's, but I would... Where's Labyrinth on the list? Uh, I gotta Labyrinth's find Labyrinth's down at 42, right below Reds, Brotherhood and Unity, okay. Aldridge's Brain. All, right. all games that See, I, I was, know See, I was like. afraid that you were going to, like, start in the top 30 in this game and that we were really going to have to fight. <laughs> no, I could go higher. I, I could go higher, but I'm not going much higher. Like, I really like it, but I, I, we have 69 games, nice, on this list, and we've talked about it. This game is... Our list is top-heavy. Like, 42 is yeah, over halfway down, but that's a great that game. We know are going to be decent. <laughs> so, 42, Labyrinth is there. Neither of us were crazy about Labyrinth. Mm-hmm. Now, where I really like Wilderness War, Labyrinth got big points just because of the design quality. I think we both said it's not a game for us, but we realize like, how well it's designed, and that's, that's why it's there. Um, I personally think it's better than Brotherhood and Unity. Uh, which is at 40. Uh. Um, but I think Labyrinth, another Volco design, is, is probably the, the measuring stick. It's it's not, I wouldn't put it up at Nevsky or, or Almoravid levels. Yeah. And just to be clear, I mean, people have probably heard all this before, but there's a couple different factors. I mean, one, well, I mean, we are really trying to put it where it is as the quality of the game. Um, right. And, and how much fun it is to play is a part of that, but not all of that, because, you know, I was joking on the discord trying to decide which one I like better, this one or Zeppelin Raider. And that was obviously an exaggeration, but a hundred percent truth. If you come to me at game day and you slide a few acres of snow and wilderness war in front of me, I'm going to pick a few acres of snow. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. I just, I just, I don't like this game. I'm not going to say it's better than a few acres of snow, though. So, which is why I would have a hard time putting it above Labyrinth. I think Labyrinth is a better game and more fun, even though I'm not crazy about Labyrinth. I would go even, I even Washington's Crossing, which is another one we kind of that was like our sort of dollar store GCACW. Um, I'd rather play Washington's Crossing than this one. And I think that's where I would go. I would put it below Washington's Crossing above Red Flag for Paris, over Paris. That's where I would go. Okay. And you're fine putting it above things like NATO Air Commander, Captain C. Yeah, NATO Air Commander is more fun, I think. But um, yeah, yeah, I think so. I think I'd, I would probably say this is a better game than mm, Commander. We're going to have to dis- – I don't know, Rich. Like, <laughs> I like this so much more than Labyrinth. Do you? So maybe Labyrinth needs to go down. I don't know. I think Labyrinth is probably in the right place. So you would put it between Reds and Labyrinth? I'd probably put it above Reds. Oh, but, but below Brotherhood and Unity? As far as card-driven games go, I'd probably put it above Brotherhood and no, Unity and I'd, stop there. I would take Brotherhood and Unity above this one ten times. If out you'll of 10. give if you'll give me above <laughs> Reds and Labyrinth, I won't push above Brotherhood and Unity. All right, I think that's where we'll have to go. I think we'll have to go at forty-one then. I, I mean, that's the most we're gonna agree on this. Yeah. I I don't. I'm not saying I hundred percent agree with this. So Rex, and and like, I don't either. Save- so there we are. Rex, save your angry email. Um, you can blame Rich 100% for this one. Although, Rich, you're also to blame for some other um, blunders on those lists. I'm so, on John Brown's uh, list. You can, uh, you, can, you can submit your complaint to blamerich at gmail.com, <laughs> and I'm sure he'll get right on that. I do, th- I do think this is a better game design than Brotherhood and Unity. I'd rather play All Bridges Burning, but that's just because I've, I've, you know, I'm... Sure. I'm I'm all horned up for that game still. Still love it. Um, but then it, you're talking really crowded territory. Like, are you oh, yeah, above I mean, a Zogbon or anything yeah, like that? Yeah, five spots up from there is Men of Iron Tripack. And I think, Rich, I don't want to speak for you, but I'm just not a huge CDG player. I, I enjoy them. But if, if I can have my meat and potatoes Hex Encounter or some kind of more innovative design you know there was a point in time when cdgs were the innovative thing right sure but 
like Nevsky and Almoravid, that's doing really cool things. Atlantic Chase, like that, that's new and different. And I've seen the CDG thing, and that's not a fault against. I mean, Wilderness War is 22 years old. We're gonna have the 25th anniversary of Wilderness War game design in just a few years. So in 2001, it was probably blowing people's socks off. But like, I've played other CDGs before I dove into this. Um, and so, like for my personal taste, it's always gonna be hard to rank up a, a card-driven game. That's just my own bias coming Yeah, through. no, I agree with you. I mean, CDGs are, I think probably actually for CDGs, and this is a very generalized statement, but I would think the lighter ones are probably better because they make for a nice, quick game day game. Well, that's how you play the tournament scenario. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I'll have to try that sometime. I mean, you got you to gotta know it to get it done in a couple hours. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think if, if you sit down with two, two people who really know the game, you could be down with the tournament scenario and yeah, yeah because what is that? That's 21 cards. Is that what it is? It's three rounds. Like I said, I, I didn't play that one. So yeah. Uh, good. Well, there it is folks. Uh, wilderness war number 41 on our list, which puts us at 70 games. How many games we have left to go rich? Well, we got choices. I'll give you two choices. We can either do 70 more or we can rate every game that either of us own. Okay. I thought and it was both of us own. On to, yeah, both of us own, yeah. And On to Richmond 2 is now on that list. Well, I don't know about all that, Rich. I do know that we have one more game. At least that's next month's game. Yeah. Episode 50. The uh, Bicentennial or half semi-centennial i guess i don't know if that's the <laughs> right use of that word it's one of those words so folks here's how it works it's it's been a little bit different and you know like i said i've been out of commission and and things have been quiet but uh things are returning back to normal like i've got a not gonna lie a little uncomfortable in this chair but the more and more i do it the more and more i'm back to normal so things should return to normal and to start with that we're back to our patrons deciding what games we're going to play. Now, Rich and I, we put our own little spin on it. And what we do is Rich and I are each going to propose a game that both of us want to play next month for July. We'll throw in some other games for your consideration. Sometimes those other games win just outright on their own and, and surprise both of us. Like Almoravid won out of the blue, I think. Um, and you get to go vote by going to patreon.com slash history table. Join for as little as two bucks a month if you support the show. Helps pay all the recording software, all of that stuff, and just support us. You can do that, patreon.com slash history table, and then you get to vote. And then if you join enough, you get to like pick a whole game. But and just go support the show if you want to, if you want to vote. That's enough of that. Rich. July is episode fifty. It is. So I wasn't even thinking about the episode fifty thing, but I was just thinking that next week is fourth of July, and I usually try to play some sort of American Revolution game. My first thought was Liberty or Death, but then I thought, eh, we're pretty much straining into a Volker Runka podcast at this point. So <laughs> I, I decided to branch off of there and see where I could go. I thought about like in a uh, Battles of the American Revolution game, but then I thought, you know, Flying Colors would be good. That's got some American Revolution stuff in it. It's got some good naval battles, and I'm always up for good naval battles. So that's my pick for this month is Flying Colors. Rich, turn the music off. All right. Dead silence. Are we about to get a mic drop? I think it's time. What time is it? We've been, we've been doing this for 50 episodes. Yeah. I think Zeppelin for at least Raider 2? <laughs> I'm sure there, that exists. <laughs> for at least 47 of those episodes, I have been a fan and enjoyer of one of the best tactical games ever designed oh boy wait hold on i think it's time for panzer grenadier yes oh. no wait something better than that something probably much better i haven't played panzer grenadier so can't comment on that but somewhere around episode one or two or three of the podcast i proudly declared i have no interest in advanced squad leader somewhere <laughs> around, somewhere around episode four or five i went balls deep into advanced squad leader and got as much as i could and then went on to uh, be the 2019, I think, maybe it's 2018, my trophy's somewhere, Kansas City March Madness Starter Kit Champion. That's there was right, only two participants, are. but I won. Since that time, you and I have tried to play some ASL. 
Yeah, we started one, didn't we? We started one. Well, I think we've we've also played some others. I've played plenty. You you play all the time. Oh yeah. I think it's time. We're wow. 50 episodes into this. We know it's your favorite game of all time. We know it doesn't stand a chance against even cracking the top 69. <laughs> uh, but I think it's time that we rank um, Advanced Squad Leader. Wow, 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 wow. Wow. I don't know exactly how we would tackle that in an episode. It's so hard to do. Yeah. I think maybe we just talk about our journeys a little bit, what we like about the game. It's not like we can... I don't know. It's well, uh, Yeah, we'll figure it out. Don't it threaten wins. me with a good time. I mean, <laughs> if we're going to play ASL all month, I'll play ASL all month. Because after, you know, I've got no rehearsals next month. I've got I've got a clean slate in July. I think it would be a good time for me to, to pull it out and bust out what brought me into it. And that's the Korea scenarios. I have played Korea since. So when Korea came out, that's why I bought ASL. Um, since Korea, I've I've played it finally. Um, and I have enough pieces to at least play some of the scenarios now. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, I actually don't have the Korea module, but I've got most of the other ones. Super Bazookas is a fun scenario right out of the box. Yeah. Well, not right out of the box because you need like 10 other boxes. But, but <laughs> yeah. Right Welcome out of the ASL. 10 boxes. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, there's my there's my pick. Focus. All right, Rich, you can turn the music back up. All right. There you go. You You heard it here, people. Now, if ASL doesn't win, that's fine too. At some point, we'll do it just out of respect for Rich and the the eight other people who play ASL. We'll, we'll do that. Uh, yeah. So if you want to vote, go. There's to eight of us, but we have a collective nine hundred and thirty-seven thousand dollars worth of stuff. So <laughs> each, yeah. Each. Go vote. Advanced squad leader, flying colors. Oh, you you know, Rich. If you want to do, we should do the American one. The tri-pack? No. Of Flying Colors. Uh, Serpents of the Seas? Is yeah. That the one? Do, you not, do you not have that one? No, I don't. That one's hard uh, to find. I've got, well, it is I've hard got to Blue find Cross unless... White Ensign, and I've got the, the base. Hard to find unless you pick up a copy at Historic Fest from that amazing vendor. I wish. I mean, I don't wish <laughs> yeah. they were coming back because it was tragic circumstances that brought them to Historic Fest, but that was the best war game buy-in I've ever had. It'll never be topped again. Yeah, somebody got down. So I pass away, like and then my 50 wife. Fifty bucks. Oh, I didn't pay fifty bucks for that. Oh, you you're the one that bought downtown. Oh no 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 not downtown. Oh, sorry, someone sorry. got no, downtown no, no, yeah. really cheap. I know that. Oh yeah, it was like it was buy three for fifty or yeah. something. <laughs> yeah, they, they probably got two other games with downtown yeah. for fifty bucks. Ah, folks, like I said, it was gonna be a short episode, but it was a fun episode. Yeah, leave them wanting more. That's what I say. That's we are leaving you wanting more. We're cutting. There's nothing off the table. There's plenty to talk about next month, but it's just it is what it is. The one thing I'll mention is go check out Black Lodge Trivia Night for actual plays, general discussion, video game plays. Art's doing some fantastic material over on the YouTube, or you can subscribe to us uh, wherever you get your podcast stuff. Uh, go give it a try. I think for the first time this month, we'll actually have all three of us for our actual plays together. We did like a bunch of one shots and low rules stuff as uh, June and May were interesting months for all of us. But anyways, go check it out. Black Lodge Trivia Night, if you will. Uh, Rich, anything else you want to add before we sign off? Uh, no, nothing else from me. I'll, I'll have plenty to talk about next month. Well, folks, my goal is to edit this right away tomorrow, so this should be in your ears before 4th of July. So if you're listening to this as soon as the episode drops, as a good as a good hottie ought to, uh, happy 4th of July. And uh, we'll see you in August. Stork yep. Fest. Be there. Be square. Try to, try to de- dethrone Bill Simone as last man standing, I dare you. <laughs> well, I think my train leaves at 4, so I'll be sticking well, around till then. Bill Bill leaves on Monday. So. <laughs> oh yeah, he'll beat me then. <laughs> it's not when you check out of the hotel; it's when when you walk me out of the building as the last person. There you go. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us. If you want to come hang out with us, join our Discord. There's a link down in the show notes. I don't know. Twitter is what it is. I mean, like logged on all month, but we're there. I put I put out stuff. Uh, yeah, Discord's the best spot. Sometimes on BGG. Yeah. Whatever. Find us You'll on Twiscord. Did I say Twiscord? <laughs> Twistcord. It's uh, it's a Discord yeah. for your it, for your Twister meetups. 
I had a uh, Irish coffee while we were talking tonight, and there was a lot more Irish than coffee in there. Oh, very good. <laughs> very good. Awesome stuff. Rich, I enjoyed it. Everyone, happy 4th. Thanks. Happy 4th, and thank you, everyone, for listening. Hook me up, hit me up for a game. Wilderness War. <laughs> well, we'll talk. Good night. Bye.